read much. Story. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20 are what we're going to be talking about today. You join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, help us to be the good soil. Jesus' name. The way my mind works, I'm going through this section of Scripture backwards. Mark chapter 4, verse 20 says, Others like the seed sown on the good soil. Hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop of 30, 60, or even 100 fold. Now that's the end of the story. That's where we want to be. And so how do we look at this familiar story of sowing of seed? Well, first of all, I brought along my castle. Part when I lift it up, so if it does, don't. So this castle is going to illustrate sowing of the seed. The first thing that is involved, of course, is we have to open the door. Jesus doesn't kick our doors in. We have to open the door. He stands at the door and knocks. So that's the first thing. And guess what? Somebody doesn't like it when that door gets open. The dragon, the serpent, that evil one from old, he does not like that door being open. And so he does lots of things. The very first soil that talks about is the path, right? And what happens? The birds come along and eat the seed that are on the path because the path is that hard area. And we might think of that as being people, but I think of that as being areas in my heart. Because guess what? This castle, I've got the door open. There's other rooms in this castle. There's other rooms in my heart. In fact, this little room back here, you can't see it. It's even got a lock on it. And if somebody really tries to get cute, I've got this little trap door so that they can't. can't see that. My trap door. So they can't get in there. That door is locked. That's the part of that in my heart where Jesus is calling me to do things and I'm saying, no way. You've got the wrong address. You've got the wrong email. That is not happening. I know what's best for me in this situation. There's many, many rooms. I'm going to quote from Sarah in the, what do we call our magazine? A friend. And she was quoting somebody by the name of Kyle Reynolds, who I've never heard, but he was a speaker at some conference that she went to down in Texas. And one of the phrases that she quoted from him that really stuck out to me that I thought would help illustrate this is, if I can get this right, how often do we want to pause the kingdom of God? Now, with your games and different things, one of my grandsons came to one of our family events with a t-shirt that said, I paused my game to be here. Well, if you knew my grandson, that, that was a sacrifice. I mean, that, tree, that was a true shirt. Pause the game to be here. But how time, many times do we want to pause that kingdom of God working in our life? For me, there are times. There are times when I want to pause God's kingdom. And there's a variety of things, I think, that can illustrate that, that hard path, that soil in our heart. But the first thing we have to remember is, you know, just because the birds eat the seed, 
Just because Satan is out there trying to snatch away the seed doesn't mean we don't sow the seed. We don't give up. We just recognize we have an enemy. We don't stop sowing seed because there's birds. But what we have to do, and Paul Miller in a book that he wrote called Prayer, The Praying Life, using as illustration about God has writing a story. And of course, this book, since it's called The Praying Life, is about prayer. And he talks about our role in prayer is to take our concerns to God. But we have to recognize that he's writing an overall story. And our individual stories are part of his overall story. But sometimes the way we want to write the story is different. I saw a quote on Facebook that said, God is writing the story, so quit trying to steal his pen. In other words, let him write the story. Trust the author. But sometimes our emotions tell us differently. We need to have Jesus' word take root. But sometimes when we live on that feeling and emotional level, we don't. Colossians 2, verses 6 through 7, tell us this. Since then, you have received Christ Jesus as Lord. Go on living in him. Rooted and built up in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. That's what the good soil is striving for, being rooted. The good soil is embracing the word of God. In other words, embracing Jesus' words. Embracing Jesus' love so that we can reflect his love. Because guess what? The power of the word has the ability to change lives. Power to change your life, to change my life. But it doesn't mean that we don't have anything to do. Yes, grace is free. And there's nothing that we do to earn salvation. But as we look at these different soil types, we can see there are things that we have to do so that we can be the good soil producing more and more. So the first is the path. We've talked about that. The second is the shallow soil, the rocky soil. Now it's not talking necessarily about rocky soil. We have all these rocks. Like when I grew up on the farm, we used to take trailers out and pick up rocks and pile them on these trailers. I don't think they do that anymore because farm equipment's so big, they don't worry about hitting a few rocks. But underneath the soil, when you have shallow soil, there can be a layer of rock so that the plant's roots can't really go anywhere. So that's what the second soil is talking about. When we look at that, we kind of look at things on the emotional level. I don't feel God's presence. But I guess that means he's disappeared from the universe. We can't do everything on a feeling level, right? God is good even when he doesn't feel good. We look at the evil in the world, and there have been many people much smarter than me that have walked away from their faith in Christ because they can never come to grasp with this question. Why does an all-powerful God, if he's good, allow all the evil things that go on in the world? And many of you have experienced evil things in your own life. You may be saying to God, why, God, if you're there, why did you allow that to happen? 
Well, I can't answer that. But I can answer this question. God was with you in the lowest part of your life. He was with you in the depths of your suffering. He was with you when you had nothing but raw emotion to say, I can't do this anymore. Suffered with you. But he may not have taken you out of that place. He gives us something called free choice. And that free choice allows us as individuals to choose to do evil. Everything we do affects people around us. We have to learn that we can't just do things on the emotional level. In a book called Loving Solutions, written by Gary Chapman, an author, a counselor, claim to fame really as he wrote the book called The Five Love Languages. I'm sure most of you have heard of that. But in this book, he talks about feelings this way. He talks about thoughts, feelings, and actions, and I'm going to pick up with actions. Eventually, we take actions based on our thoughts, emotions, and desires. We do something. If we allow our negative emotions and desires to control our actions, then typically we make the situation worse because our actions will be negative, which will, too, which will, which will stimulate a negative response. If, on the other hand, we take a reasoned approach and ask ourselves, what is the best thing for me to do in this situation? We're more likely to take a positive action. Sunday school, we've been talking about this many times. Quote from Elizabeth Elliot, just do what love demands. Do the next right thing. He goes on to say, I'm not suggesting that emotions aren't important. They are indicators of things that are going on, well or not so well, in our relationship. Positive emotions encourage me to positive actions. Negative emotions conversely encourage me towards a negative action. But if I understand that negative actions will make things worse, and positive actions hold the potential, and not the guarantee, the potential for making things better, I will choose the high road. Good news is we don't have to have loving, warm feelings to take loving action. Love is a decision. We can do the loving thing even when we don't feel like it. Grief, suffering. Cause those plants to wilt in the shallow soil. Philippians chapter 1, 27, 30. Mark this. Bear with me. Giving us a concept, whatever happens. Together. Whatever happens, even things you don't like, even when our life doesn't go the way you want, even when your relationship Oh, it falls apart. That's what it says. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you, only hear about you in my absence, I will know you stand firm in one spirit, striving together for one faith, 
gospel. You remember several weeks ago I shared with you about Ryan Kohler, the missionary aviation fellowship pilot who was imprisoned in Mozambique in Africa for several months. I shared with you a little thing from his letter at Christmas time a couple years ago. And his prayer request while he's in this prison, wrongfully, in an African country, separated from his family at Christmas time, prayer was, whatever happens, let me conduct myself in a manner worthy of the gospel in this prison. That's when we don't let our emotions take over. In another devotional that I read, shared a story about a young pastor. This was in Iran. He obviously, being a Christian pastor in Iran, to get combat pay because it's a very dangerous situation. And this young pastor was in prison at the age of 20 for running a house church without the government authorities approving it, as if they would approve it. And while he's in prison, he's in prison alongside murderers and lots of people that are really bad people. And he spends lots of time in solitary confinement. And he doesn't know when or ever he'll be released. But he decides, whatever. He's going to live a life worthy of the gospel. So he continues to share Christ in the prison. And a small number of people come to faith in Christ. And one day, one of them comes up to him and says, I have this word from God for you. Jesus is alive. And it doesn't matter what situation I'm in. I can work in God's kingdom wherever he places me. That's what the pastor was saying. And then the other prisoner that he led to Christ said this. Whatever you have been through, being away from your family, all the humiliation, all the suffering, all the pain, everything you will still go through, it's worth it. For this man came to Christ. That was the only message that God gave this young man. Since he was interviewed at this church in London, eventually, obviously, he was released. He went through a lot of suffering. So what do we need to do so that we're not like the soil on the path? Or we're not like the shallow soil, not trying to put God's kingdom on pause? How do we go about embracing Christ's divine love? A fierce Peter, excuse me, Second Peter chapter 1 really gives us a prescription. Because the other soil, before we get to the good soil, was talking about the cares and the worries and how that strangled us. You know, when we keep these doors locked to our room, to exploit areas that we have not thorough enemy Satan he knows what doors are locked he knows that's the how do we get past that how do we get past the cares the worries of the world those relationships that haven't gone the way we want those jobs that haven't gone the way we want, or that health diagnosis that we received that we have a terminal disease and are only given a few months to live. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 8 tell us 
how to be that good soil. It tells us that God's divine power has given us everything we need for life. Do you hear that? Everything. Do you believe that? Everything you need for life, God has given you. And then he goes on to say, he's given us everything we need for godliness, for a life and that we need to add to our knowledge. If we don't want to put God's kingdom on pause, if we don't want to be ineffective in our faith, as Peter admonishes us in that letter, we know that knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, kindness, and love, we need to add each of those things to our life. That's how the good soil is. You know, our neighbor had a stump that was taken out. And then they put all this nice black dirt where the stump was. And they worked that soil up and they sowed that with grass seed. And I was amazed how lush that grass seed was. Because guess what? I'm always impatient. When I have a bare spot in my lawn, what do I do? I grab some grass seed and throw it. I don't take the time to work it up with a rake. I don't take the time to loosen up the soil. 90% of the time, the grass seed doesn't do anything. I haven't taken that time, that prep. If you want to be the good soil, again, don't get me wrong. Your salvation is free. But if you want to do the good soil, if you want to do the 30, the 60, the 100 fold, the word is what you need to be in. So that you can add to your knowledge, your self-control, your perseverance, your godliness, your kindness, and your love. So that you'll not be ineffective. Ikegumbo puts it this way. The more time you invest in studying and applying God's word to your life, the greater benefit you will experience. So make this a high priority. Give time to embracing the words of Jesus. You'll not regret it. Because it's only by embracing the love of Jesus that you're going to be able to reflect the love of Jesus to other people. I just want to close with reading some of the lyrics. The name of the song is First Things First by Consumed by Fire. So if we want to be that soil, that good soil, here's some advice. I don't want to chase what the world does. I only want you. I only want you. My sermon a few weeks ago, that was the challenge then. Jesus enough? That's all you have? Is that enough? The little sign with a saying on Diane's desk says, if you woke up tomorrow with the only thing that you had left to possess, with the things that you had expressed thanks for today, how much would you have? Causes you to think. Song goes on, first things first, I will seek your will, not mine. I will surrender all my wants to you. Keep the first things first. To live your truth. To walk your ways. My life's an offering. My heart is yours. So have your way in me. Your kingdom's all I see. That's how we can keep from putting God's kingdom on pause. Remembering that we're not the center of the universe. Life is not about us. It's about living a life that glorifies God. We can't do that 
except through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit can be assisted by us in the church as we try to encourage each other to walk the faith, even in those painful times. You pray with me. Father, we thank you that you have sown the word and that Jesus is the living word. Help us to embrace and reflect your love. In Jesus' name.